The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to a special edition of NASCAR America, everybody. I'm Carolyn Mano, and over the next half hour, we will listen to the Dale Jr. download that created so much buzz this week. Ten years ago at Richmond Raceway, Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kyle Busch tangled while battling for the lead in the final laps, beginning a feud that lasted for years. And that feud eventually ended, but the pair never discussed what happened at Richmond until now. We have beer and donuts. That is what we have, my friend. And we're going to tell you why. We will tell you why. we got a great show. What's all on the show today? Well, Dale, you may not remember this, but uh, 10 years ago, this happened. Junebug's got that high line. He wants to run it, but I tell you, that 18's going to get under him right here. Three to go. Here he goes. Junior goes up the hill. Let's see if he can get a bite on the bottom of the racetrack. They'll be side by side down the back straightaway. Oh, man, that was tight off turn two. He's got him. Oh, I believe he's got him this time. Oh, he turned him. No. This podcast is kind of a, a sequel to an article Jeff Gluck just put out. We're coming up on the anniversary of the 2008 Richmond race that a lot of people uh, remember and have talked about for many years. Still do. Still do. I know that there's a direct divide between our fan base, and we call them unicorns, the ones that like both of us. Yes, absolutely. Um, and they're really rare. I was actually taking screenshots last night of some of it because I wasn't sure if we were going to talk about what some of the <laughs> yeah. reactions to it were. We had run-ins before. Uh, you mentioned it in the article, the 2007 Kansas race. Yep. Um, I want to say that uh, there was nothing personal there. If you want to go look back at the tape. But uh, <laughs> well, wait, not at that race. But if you go talk to Ryan Newman, I actually wrecked him identically at Atlanta two races in a row. Uh-huh. Uh, I had a real bad habit of the top was so good at that time. In those cars. You were good at the top. At and that I time. had a real bad habit of running in the back of everybody that come up <laughs> off the come up off the bottom. And I know that when you That's where Brad got it from. Yeah. And that <laughs> watching you. The <laughs> you mentioned something in that article, you were like, I came off the corner and I gave him the top. And I forgot about that. You did. You gave me that outside line and I came down off the top and ran straight in the back of you. Because in my mind you were coming up to the wall. Right. I know this is, like, hard for you to believe or anybody else is hearing this because it doesn't sound true. <laughs> but that was like um, I had a real bad habit of running the back of people off that corner or off any corner, really, from the top. So, really, in 2007, when that happened, I did not know where I was going to drive. I had no idea that I was going to Hendrick. We were still uh, talking to a lot of different people. You probably did the whole tour, right? Yeah. He did. I went to talk to a lot of different teams. You were about probably four or five months ahead of me. Yeah. And um, people talk about the uh, the Texas race uh, where we both got in that crash where Stewart smoked up the whole racetrack. Yeah, I don't too. remember what happened. Oh, he's in trouble again. Turn four again. Caution waves. Oh, and he got Dale Jr. 
Kyle just got into junior. At least Tony spun, right? Tony was having a terrible day and was getting lapped. Okay. And lost his car and, and just stood in the gas and had smoke everywhere. So I slowed down because I couldn't see where he was. And I plowed right through you. And you, you hit me because you couldn't see anything. Yeah. All I remember is uh, Pidge come down and said, hey, we need somebody to drive the car. Can you drive it? And I said, I'll, I'll try to get in there. And your seat was so small because yeah. you're so skinny. I was. That I had to sit in there sideways and drive like this. I, it was the most freaking dangerous thing I've ever done in my life because was, there was no way I was going to survive a crash so, if, I, if anything happened. So from my standpoint on that deal, when I wrecked, when I hit you, like my glove was stuck to the steering wheel and my hand shot off the steering wheel. It actually ripped the back of my hand open. Wow. And it, like, it kind of hurt my wrist. But anyways, like I was like, oh, we're done. It's over. It's killed. Like it's destroyed and all that stuff, you know. So we pull back the garage area, and I go up in the hauler and I start changing my clothes. And I'm like, okay, well, somebody's surely gonna come tell me whether or not they're gonna fix this thing or not. And I asked the PR lady, I'm like, are they working on it? She goes, well, they're working on it, but I don't think they're gonna be able to get it back. So I walked out of the hauler because nobody talked to me about it. Yeah. I went back to my bus, grabbed my stuff, got in a rental car, and, and left. Like nobody ever said anything that we were going to go back out because I swore the thing was destroyed. Yeah. Right? I mean, I knocked the air cleaner off the thing. Yeah, it was bad. And so, anyways, they ended up getting it back together. And how you got, what, like five, eight laps in it or something? Yeah. they. Oh, we ran a lot. And at that point, still had no idea that I was ever going to drive for Rick. What I remember by that time was there were some things that were beyond anybody's control and they were just coincidence, but everybody speculated, oh, wait a second. He jumped in Kyle's car when you announced Everybody that you were Everybody thinks that's DEI, all tied together. That, that it was all tied together. It wasn't. Yeah, right. And you guys, it was just coincidental that you guys were sort of getting pitted against each other. It sort of played into the narrative that played out over the next several months. You kind of went out of order. So we had Texas incident. Then we had the Kansas incident. Yep. So so the Kansas incident, that was after Dale had already announced. That he, he had already announced. Motorsports. And you know how I I had already that? announced. And you had already announced because you had this yeah. great quote where you said, I hope those boys on the five team appreciate him coming over and wrecking their car because they're contending for a championship and I don't think he's got any or something like that, right? I don't. It was, oh. Oh, yeah. it was oh. something basis, based off the line was like, He's he's actually wrecking his next year's equipment well, already. The, right, right. Right. Like something like that. <laughs> that comment, I remember that, and that made it, my mind go, hmm, he thinks I'm taking his ride. And I'm thinking the whole time, I'm not taking your ride. Keep it Mears. Mears is taking your ride. <laughs> that made me assume he was like, Junior's screwed me over so many times. He's wrecked me. He's pushed me out of HMS. I had it in my mind that you thought I was the devil. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> An entertaining beginning to the podcast for sure. And coming up next, a rivalry is born under the lights at Richmond. The wreck and the aftermath when the Dale Jr. download with Kyle Bush returns. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Long Beach winner Alexander Rossi and defending series champion Joseph Newgarden lead the Verizon IndyCar Series to Barber Motorsports Park for the Indy Grand Prix of Alabama. You can catch it Sunday afternoon at 3.30 Eastern right here on NBCSN. Newgarden and Penske teammate Simon Pagano have been in a hilarious autograph battle, signing each other's race cars, fire suits, and even their homes. But at Long Beach, Pagano went one step further, signing Joseph's mother, Tina. 
<laughs> Pretty good stuff there from a lighthearted IndyCar rivalry. Back to the one that we are focusing our attention on today, though. Here is part two of Dale Jr. with Kyle Busch. It definitely was a us against them. You didn't want it to be, but like everywhere I turned, there was Kyle. Every, yeah. Where... At first, I think it was kind of me versus 88 team, Junior, like those guys, mainly Junior. But then kind of as it developed, as the season was kind of going, it was more of like a me against Hendrick Motorsports type thing. Is that right? Yeah. Like it just became like a, look, you all made this decision, so now you're all going to feel the wrath of this decision. Do you think that made you better? Absolutely. Like it drove me. I no question. I yeah. think anything you can find a fire of, you're going to use it. Yeah, you know. So we get to Richmond, <laughs> and I totally didn't remember what happened in that race up to that point. I Denny, neither. Denny, okay, so Denny's dom- boring. Yeah, Denny's dominating, and Denny started to have a flat, and you started gaining on me during that long run. Right. And we both got to Denny at the same time, and then I tried to go low, and you went high, and we. You made it around him first, and now you're the leader. Yep. And it's, what, 20-something to go maybe? Yeah. Uh, Denny parked up on the racetrack. As soon as that happened, I knew you had the better short-run car, and I didn't. And I knew. I'm like, man, I'm going to have my hands. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a recipe for disaster. For disaster. <laughs> Even in the moment, like, as mad as I was, I knew that it wasn't you turning me on purpose. As a race car driver, you know how to move somebody. Uh, that is not the way you move somebody out of the way. That He went down in that corner. He tried to get in the corner. And I'm not putting words in your mouth, but as a race car driver, I'm looking at it and I'm going, he went in the corner a little higher trying to get a better arc into the corner because a shallow entry on the bottom there it wasn't going to work. And he knew that. So he's try- as I'm moving up the track, he's like, okay, if you're going to go up the track, I'm going to go up the track a little bit and I'm going to get a better angle for the exit. Well, the other thing too is like each lap, like there was a little bit more. We're trying harder. Yeah, deeper, a little bit more. Deeper, yeah. A little bit deeper. A little bit more. And I'm getting the sense of urgency because I'm like, man, I got to go. Like I better complete this now because I know that if I can complete it now and get out in front of you, I have a better shot of holding you off for the longevity of the rest of that run, which was what, four more laps? Yeah. So we get down in the corner. You know, we get together. Cost you the win. Cost me the win. I was going to say. I, I mean, both of us got taken out of the lead there. I think the one thing that bugged me was, and this was just you at that age, was when you were in front of a microphone, the things that you would say, and I'm like, God, you know, it's awkward enough as it is that everything that happened between me and you in 2007, then the exchange of teams and where you went and where I went and all those things that happened, but it was when you would get out of the car, I'd go, ah, you know, if it was just, hey, man, that was racing, but you wouldn't. You would get out of the car and go, ah, I don't care. <laughs> so what? So what? He got wrecked. You had such a chip on your shoulder. And it took a while. So we, did you know in the moment, though, when, when the wreck happened and you got a chance to see it, that it wasn't purposeful? Yeah. He says it in the interview. As a matter of fact, in fact, Tony Urie Jr. gets on there and says, it looked like Kyle got loose. You see, yeah. He said that on the radio. In, in your interview, actually in both your interviews, y'all were pretty decent about it. You know, Junior and I just racing hard there and uh, getting into turn three, you know, it, from the front end replay, it looked like he come down a little bit, but, you know, it's uh, it's just a part of race. I was in position for a win, and uh, I ran hard and got wrecked. So you read in the article, though, like, my mindset in, in that moment was, was like, if it was somebody else, if it was a teammate, or if it was somebody that I was actually kind of, like, getting along with, there probably would have been two more inches given. Right? right, an extra sh- given. Sure, but in this moment there was you no sh- given. That's right. So it was kind of like ah, I got loose. Yeah, whatever. Right. Like you said, 
you know, so. <laughs> so that from that moment on, super frosty mm-hmm. yeah. for, for several years. Um, the one that bothered me the most, I'll never forget it, was at Dover. We always had this media, media on thing. Friday, yeah. and I dreaded that every day, not because of I did too. having doing media, but I knew. Even though you don't think I did, I yeah. did too. I won't name names, but there are a couple people in the media. They're not there anymore, but they would always ask Kyle something about me. This was probably two or three years after 2008 incident. I would, me and Tony Jr. had split up, and they asked him, what Kyle think about Dale's struggles and his crew chief change? And Kyle said, it's never Jr.'s fault. Yep, and I remember that. That was quintessential Kyle Bush at the time. <laughs> that probably bothered me more than anything that ever happened on the racetrack. I mean, re- racing and wrecking and getting wrecked, that's just that just happens. You know, you get turned around and get spun out. But that one comment bugged me so bad. I was consumed by our rivalry, and I always knew where Kyle Busch was at on the racetrack. Kyle, what was your recollections of the aftermath of that first Richmond race? In the Gluck article, I, I stated that I don't really remember there being anything different. And Samantha was like, are you drunk? Like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, what? I don't remember anything. And she goes, there were things being slung at us, and there was rocks being thrown. So we, we went from the motorhome lot on the golf cart over to the helipad. So we made our way over there, and there was words being slung, rocks being slung, hats being slung, beers being slung. At you? At us, at the golf cart. We had the sides down. And then past that, for like the rest of the year, like there was crazy death threats and stuff like that. And so we actually had like a, a behind-the-scenes FBI guy tailing me through the rest of 08. He, wow. He yeah. came with us. I had no idea about no, that. No, I yeah. didn't either. He came with us about everywhere, so I, I did remember that. New details after all this time. When we return to the Dale Jr. download of Kyle Busch, Jr. feels the pressure of payback. And also, don't forget, Jr. and the rest of the NASCAR and NBC crew is part of our NASCAR America Fantasy League. You can join us at NASCAR.com slash NBC Sports Fantasy. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Welcome back, everybody. After Kyle Busch wrecked Dale Earnhardt Jr. at Richmond in the spring of 2008, all eyes were on them when NASCAR returned there in the fall. So fall Richmond. Fall Richmond. Yeah, he wants to talk about fall Richmond. We don't need to talk about that. We don't have any time. Let's go. We're out of time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing about Fall Richmond. I felt like that if I didn't wreck you at some point, my fans were going to be really pissed. And even after this. I was already behind 3-0. I know. (laughs) Well, I didn't. Who's keeping score, right? (laughs) That wasn't wasn't the score that my fans had. So I (laughs) I was under a lot of pressure. Uh, from my fans to to do something, and from myself. Like, I felt in my heart, like, if I don't get him back, I'm, everybody's going to look at me like this guy that just get wrecked and not do shit. But I had to, I felt like, man, I have to do something. We're at the same racetrack. It was just the perfect opportunity. So you'd been, you'd been looking at the opportunity oh, yeah. for a long time. Well, yeah, he'd been contemplating it. I had been contemplating it, think, dreaming about it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Like, uh, but at the same, if you can understand this, man, even even contemplating it and thinking about it all the time, dreading it. I hate confrontation I, in any form, and I try to avoid it at all costs. I like everybody to be happy. 
Um, but that's not going to be the way it is on the racetrack and in, and in that environment. But I felt this pressure, like if I didn't do something, that I was going to always be labeled as this, he's not his daddy, he's not, you know, you don't stand up for himself. I mean, Kyle had said all these things, uh, or, you know, the Dover comment, things like that. It's like, man, I got to do something if it if it's there in front of me. And luckily, left front tire lock. And that was like my, well, you know, I got in there too hard. My bad. Um, if the left front tire does not lock up, it's completely obvious what the hell is going on there. You'd even worked on your talking points once that ever happened. That's beautiful. We got down into one and locked the left front up and slid into him. So just wrecked him. So it's just uh, it's a bad deal for him. The only thing on the is, is I didn't do a good enough job of it. Kyle backed in the fence just barely and kept on going. I was a little disappointed. Yeah, instead of finishing fourth, I think yeah. we finished eighth. Yeah. I didn't get him good enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did in 07. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that. And yeah. and so how about the situations where, okay, so Richmond, spring Richmond happens. I am public enemy number one. Yeah. And then you have a couple run-ins with other drivers throughout the last five, six years, whatever. Like and who? And a, one driver twice. Who? In one year. Who? YRB, right? Ryan? Yeah. Oh. And yeah. You, and yet, uh, and yet, like that gets blown over. And yet, I am like still well, public enemy number one. Well, I, to be honest with you, I, like I almost felt. You tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, I always felt like one of the things that sort of drew people away from you guys was the fact that you kind of had some Brad Kozlowski's, you know, run-ins, Logano. Uh, I mean, you found some other people to, to – to, and it usually was people that you were racing against. I mean, so, again, by no fault of anybody's, you end up being right there in the trenches and that happened. So I, I thought always that kind of deflected a little bit of the attention away from what was going on in you guys between 2008 and 2009. Yeah. Th- yeah, but I think the, the, the chorus of the booze at driver intros. Is Spring Richmond. Stems from that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even when I first started in the 87 Ditec car with Nemechek, and that was right in the time where Kurt was getting into it with Jimmy yes. Spencer. Yep. So I was guilty by association. I remember Week that. one, race one, yeah. moment one. So I get booed at driver intros, and I'm like. Not fair. <laughs> Not fair, but yeah. kind of one of those moments where, like, was, hell, that. if that's my welcoming moment, then yeah. right, it's not going to go well. It, it, <laughs> I, I'm under a no-win right. situation to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> Stories like these from Dale Jr. and Kyle Busch have earned rave reviews from fans and also from media alike. You heard Jr. mention NASCAR writer Jeff Gluck a little earlier. He tweeted it was the single greatest podcast episode he's ever heard. Two of NASCAR's most famous drivers of this era essentially going to couples counseling and letting us listen. Part four of the Dale Jr. Download with Kyle Busch coming your way next. Coming up at the top of the hour, Patrice Bergeron and the Bruins are in Toronto for a pivotal game four against Austin Matthews and the Maple Leafs. Boston leads the series two games to one. NHL Live gets things started for you next. Welcome back to NASCAR America. Kyle Busch is a polarizing figure, but as we've seen in recent years, he's gone out of his way to let his fans know that he appreciates their support. And it's one of the things that Dale Earnhardt Jr. noted in their conversation this week. In the last uh, probably two or three years, I've seen a concerted effort from you uh, to be more 
personable and you use this opportunity a lot of times in social media you're doing a lot of videos funny videos you really used to do none of that stuff and it was all you were either happy when you won or pissed when you lost that's all you knew about Kyle Busch Mm -hmm. was was the guy that runs second or the guy that won the race two completely different Jekyll or Hyde but now you're kind of showing a personality that none of us is really a lot of us knew was there but none of us none of the fans have really seen in the last three years when you see people that are wearing your stuff i tend to try to veg them out and go take care of them for what they have to do and endure and put up with all the from everybody else uh from the other (laughs) side of the fan base that it's like i'm going to take care of them uh first and foremost and do what i can for for the eminem fans 18 fans the kyle fans whatever it might be i'll be honest with you man it's really refreshing to see your personality instead of seeing the second place finisher and the winner guy that everybody sees on on TV, seeing you be you. You're talking about how people see the the winner or the loser or whatever. That that's what like a 15, 20, 30 second soundbite that you get on television. Yeah. And that's at your job. And when you're defeated at your job, and because of everything that you give it, and all you do is eat, sleep, breathe, dream racing. And you fail at that when you finish second, when you finish third. That's a failed day in my mind. I'm devastated. I'm heartbroken. I'm pissed off. I'm whatever I am. That's how people think you are through your whole life. Right. Well, that's not the case. <laughs> like, I, I'll i get over it. It might be Monday. It might be Tuesday. I'm not sure. But I'll, I'm going to get over it. I'm going to get on to the next one. Yeah. Are you misunderstood? Absolutely. More times than not, right? Yeah, I agree. If you guys could live firsthand in any driver's career – past or present who would it be and why i don't envy you for a minute by the way (laughs) (laughs) so you wouldn't want to be dale jr for no too many bad to me it's too much of a roller coaster i wouldn't want to do it over again because of that man the amount of pressure and stuff that you've had in your entirety of your career just let alone like in 1998 when you won the championship and like i was a fan of the sport in general i loved watching racing and i was a fan of dale jr i was a fan of dale jr when he got to cup you know just Dale Jr., right? So if I'm a fan of Dale Jr. because of Dale Jr., everybody's got that same allure. And then 2001 happens, and now you've got even more put on you. Like, that's just something that I I could never even imagine. So obviously I I look up to you a lot in that respect because that's huge. Appreciate it. Right? But, um, man, I I don't envy you for for one minute. So I don't want to be Dale Jr. Yeah. Closing thought. Everything I gathered from this whole experience is that there are a lot of assumptions that were incorrect in this whole deal that festered over years. A few conversations, although they're very hard to have, would have helped the situation for everyone. So hopefully this whole podcast uh, inspires a lot of people to go out and get with their uh, arch rival and straighten shit out. Do you guys want your fans to get along? Come on. Well, would it, it wouldn't bother me if they did. It wouldn't bother me if they did. Wow. All right. There they wouldn't go. be any more unicorns, though. No more unicorns. No more unicorns. Right. Yep. Well, right. you know what? The bottom line is y'all made up, and we had donuts and beer. I mean, it's a perfect day. Yeah. You win the award for that. Man. I know. God right almighty. I was give, thinking of bringing my drink, but I was like, that's dumb. Let's bring some both. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, a great way to settle a feud is to show up with your hands above your waist. That is exactly what Kyle Busch did, bringing cold beer, noting Jr., and also donuts to the podcast recording. And Kyle Bush also noting no better way to start the celebration of converting to Junior Nation. 
It was an entertaining and really insightful conversation between two of racing's biggest stars. If you do want to hear full episodes of the Dale Jr. Download podcast, they're available on DirtyMoMedia.com and all major podcasting platforms, and that one did incredibly well. That is all for NASCAR America. We'll be back Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern with a full recap of this weekend's action from Richmond. Until then, we'll see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.